Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. And welcome to episode 146 of a Love Food Podcast. I'm Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. Today, I have to admit, I'm having a hard time talking. Allergies kind of started early and I'm coughing, coughing, coughing. We're going to do our best though. And I am really excited to share with you this episode's letter, and we get to hear from registered dietitian Whitney Catalano. She's out of Los Angeles, and she has a new podcast called Trust Your Body Project that I cannot wait to hear. And we get to talk about what it to do in the experience where you feel like you are not the one calling the shots with your relationship with food. Can you relate to that? Do you ever feel like it's just so chaotic And you can't really stop thinking about food, or you can't stop binging, or you can't stop just enjoying food and feeling like a normal eater. Certainly, that is something that I know many people can relate to. I have a feeling that you can too. We have a letter from someone who is experiencing just that that I can't wait to share with you. Before we hear this episode's letter, a word from our sponsor. This episode of a Love Food Podcast is brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace courses. If you are affected by polycystic ovarian syndrome, you've probably been told that you need to diet in order to promote health and healing. And I cannot wait to share with you a really important newsflash. You don't have to diet. You don't have to torture your body. You can make peace with food. You can do things like intuitive eating work and promote health while affected by PCOS. I've been working with hundreds of women over the last 15 years who are affected by PCOS, and we have worked really hard to find ways for them to be able to do just that. And we've basically collected our own data, our own practice-based evidence that helps people to ovulate better or stronger or whatever the term is, or also improve mood and um, just to feel better and promote health, whether it's like lowering blood pressure or blood sugar, but also feeling more at home in your own skin, which I think is the most important part of all of this work is to find a way to feel at home where you live. And if you would like to take a deep dive in all things PCOS and food peace, go to pcosandfoodpeace.com. I also have a course for dietitians who help people with PCOS. You can get all the information on that one at pcosandfoodpeace.com slash dietitians. And I am releasing this podcast on February 26th. So just a few days left in February and the month of February of 2019, I have a 30% off coupon available. All you have to do is put love food in the coupon code at checkout I will have another coupon available that's 30% off in September in case this is just not not the right time for you. And if it is, I would love to see you in the course. Again, the coupon code is lovefood, all one word, and you can get all the details at pcosandfoodpeace.com. 
I want to take the next few moments sharing with you about something called Third Wheeled. It's a social media advocacy platform that raises awareness of eating disorders in LGBTQ plus communities. Started by a queer couple whose writing addresses the intersectionality of eating disorders and body image, including gender dysphoria, a queer identity, trauma, and gender identity and expression. CJ and OJ provide a dual perspective of eating disorder recovery through the lens of a non-binary person in recovery and of a non-traditional family carer who just happens to also be a registered dietitian. CJ and OJ would love to work with eating disorder professionals on cultivating inclusive treatment for eating disorders in LGBTQ plus communities and are available to discuss training, webinars, and speaking engagements. You can follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Third Wheeled or email them at info at So the website, I'm going to spell for you just in case, or you can go into the show notes and you'll get all these uh, links clearly put for you. But the website is Third Wheeled. T-H-I-R-D-W-H-E-E-L-E-D.com. All right, enough of all that. Let's get to this episode's letter and hear from Whitney Catalano. Dear food, I hate you. I think about you every second of every day. And I think of all the things I've lost and can't get back because of the power I've given to you. Growing up, I was always bigger. Actually, the biggest. The bigger sister, the bigger cousin, the big friend. I was a quiet, sensitive, and curious little girl, always the observer. I also had a difficult home life, which was the best kept secret in town. My dad was a volatile alcoholic, which led to a great deal of anxiety, fear, and chaos and a mother who was in too much pain to be really there for us girls. I compensated for all these things by attempting perfection in almost every other part of my life. Straight A's through high school, studied abroad for a year, president of the international club. I wasn't much of an athlete, but it wasn't because I didn't like sports. It's the classic big girl dilemma. They'll judge me if I don't, they'll laugh at me if I do. Instead, I was a musician, principal, a cellist of five different ensembles and the only high school cellist in the college symphony. But it always came back to my size. And no matter what I achieved, I felt like losing weight was the only thing that would make me belong or be truly loved. The busy schedule I designed for myself meant that I didn't have time for food most days. Really, what I had was a rock-solid alibi for my absence in the school cafeteria. I had tried everything under the sun before I even reached junior year skipping meals, eating frozen grapes because they took longer to eat than regular grapes. Logic, where? You name it. To my perpetual shock and devastation, nothing worked. When I was a senior in high school, I was on a diet and my family knew about it. It was probably not a safe, healthy diet, but I was overweight, so they encouraged the behavior. My dad especially. He was big his whole life and had just dropped a significant amount of weight. This particular night, I had been at school since 7.30 in the morning and didn't get home from college orchestra practice until close to 9.30 at night. I was exhausted and quite literally starving. I grabbed a can of light Progresso soup for dinner. My dad made a condescending remark, something to the effect of, you should be careful, that has a lot of sodium in it. I completely shut down. I put the soup back in the cupboard and walked upstairs, unable to speak or look anyone in the eye. 
Once I got to my room, I started to sob. I remember hearing my mom say something like, what's wrong with you? To my dad. As I write this, I'm in one of the deepest holes I've ever experienced with my binge eating. I feel like I'm on a runaway train, except I'm the driver and I can't get it together enough to take the wheel. Don't think trains have steering wheels, but I think you get it. I haven't been able to shake this memory for a few weeks, and I can't exactly articulate why, but I know this was an impactful moment in my life, and there were others like it. I know my dad came to talk to me after, but I don't remember what he said because it didn't matter. He couldn't unring the bell in my mind. I don't remember if they were able to get me to eat that night, but I remember feeling the emotional pain overcome the hunger pains, and I couldn't stomach the thought of eating. I'm 25 now, and I can feel that I'm in a nosedive. I feel absolutely powerless. I've gained X amount of weight in the last year, and my preoccupation with food and my eating disorder is negatively affecting my job, my social life, and my health. I eat to soothe my psychological pain, but my psychological pain stems from my inability to control my eating. My eating disorder is definitely at the wheel right now, and I don't know how to take control back. I don't even feel that I'm strong enough. From Runaway Train. Thank you so much for your letter. I especially appreciate it because... Like you said, you feel like you're in a nosedive and that you're not at the wheel. The eating disorder is at the wheel. I hope that the conversation I have coming up is something that helps you to feel a little bit more like you're the one that's driving the car. You're choosing the direction. You're the one that gets to call the shots. Who we're going to talk to now is Whitney Catalano. She's a dietitian out of Los Angeles, and she's also host of the new podcast called Trust Your Body. She is going to help us kind of sift through what you just brought up, Letter Writer. I hope you find it helpful. Let's go ahead and give Whitney a call. Hello. Hey, Whitney. It's Julie Duffy Dillon. How are you? I'm doing really good. How are you? I am doing pretty well. I have some allergies, so I'm coughing like crazy. But other than that, I'm really okay and happy to be talking to you. And um, I'm excited to dive into this letter. Did you get a chance to read it? I did. Fabulous. Definitely made an impact. Yeah. Yeah. This person has been through a lot. And um, I don't know about you, Whitney, but I've you know, I've read lots of letters and I've worked with lots and lots of clients and everyone has their own life, life experience, but there seems to be these like common threads that so many people have. And there's um, something about her letter that feels familiar to me. And I don't know if you mm. got that vibe too. Like it's, there's some parts that just seem like, oh, I bet other people can relate to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when you read that letter, what was your general impression about what this person's experiencing? I mean, there's a lot here. And I think one of the biggest themes, right, and something that I communicate regularly to my clients and just people online is that it's never about the food. And yes, there's themes of body and and the stuff with her dad. And I, um, I would just, I'm very interested to dig deeper into the where the associations come in here. So the associations between food and approval from her parents or approval from other people or feeling like, you know, she needs to shrink herself in order to be deserving to eat 
Um, so a lot of themes of self-worth and themes of probably fear of abandonment or fear of ex- fear of not being accepted. So Whitney, what do you feel like would be the first few steps that you'd recommend for someone who's experiencing what this person's describing? I mean, you know, the first thing I'd say, because really food seems to be the kind of top level issue of trying to get that quote unquote under control and, um, the emotional eating and the binge eating. And so I would definitely look at like ways that she's restricting and, um, start there because that seems to be, that tends to be the easier place to start where it's look at, okay, are you eating enough throughout the day? Are you still dieting? Are you, um, restricting in subconscious ways? So maybe it's like restricting in the sense, um, that she's, you know, still dieting without knowing that she's dieting or, you know, where is she at in terms of letting go of that and really moving through her eating disorder and moving through that recovery process and the binge eating as soon as you kind of allow the pendulum to swing. So if binge eating is a pendulum, right? Like allowing the pendulum to swing to the binge without the restriction component of it, um, starting there physiologically so that the body can be comforted by the fact that it's getting enough food and it can start to trust that it's going to get enough food and not have to go into this like survival panic mode of, oh my gosh, I need to eat everything that I possibly can because I may not get food again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that pendulum, I find myself using that metaphor often with clients and I have a feeling someone listening who can relate to this letter or possibly the letter writer would, um, benefit from hearing about that. So could you tell us more about using the pendulum in this example? Sure. Yeah. So, um, the pendulum I find is such an interesting metaphor because I think it applies to so many things. So basically the way that it works is that on one side of the pendulum is like restriction, dieting, um, you know, maybe compensating. So if every time you eat a quote unquote big meal, you have to go to the gym or something like that. So it's this really like restrictive approach to food or, um, restriction in terms of maybe you're just busy and you like forget to eat that also can contribute to that side of the pendulum. And then the other side of the pendulum is this like quote unquote overeating or binge eating and it swings back and forth. And so what happens when we're stuck in this diet binge cycle is that you may find yourself being like really, you know, quote unquote good at a diet and you're like sticking to it for a couple of days or a couple of weeks or however long, but then eventually you break the diet and it's not you breaking it. It's your body being like, Hey, we need food. We're not eating enough. And then you'll swing back over into the binge. And so a lot of people take this, it's, it's very common to take this personal responsibility when that happens of like, oh my gosh, I, um, I, I messed up. I failed. But it's not you failing. It's your body overcompensating for the fact that it hasn't been eating enough. And so it's got to swing this other direction. And it, and it sets off these alarm bells and your body is saying like, I need to eat. And I don't know if I'm going to get consistent food because it thinks that maybe you're in like a famine or something. So it's like, okay, I need to eat enough. Um, and I need to eat as much as I possibly can right now, just in case I'm not going to have food again. And then that's when we usually, you know, we respond to that binge. If you're in that diet cycle, still you respond to that binge with another diet. And it just reinforces this idea that every time you eat, and you get enough access to food, it might be the last because who knows? Your body doesn't know if you're going to be on another diet the next day. Right. It reminds me of the last supper eating that Evelyn Tribley talks about. And I know you interviewed her Mm -hmm. in your podcast. And um, I love that. And I feel like 
so many people can relate to that Last Supper effect, you know? And Oh my um, gosh, yeah. You know, the the way you describe that is fabulous. And it's like it presented a really wonderful visual, especially how like when our body feels like it just can't stop eating. It's not that we are lacking willpower or we've lost control, like this, like I, the bunny ear quote, you know, control of food. Mm-hmm. It's just that our body is like, hey, we wanted to survive this famine that you're putting us through. It doesn't care the reason why we're not getting food. Right. Like it doesn't know if it's intentional or not, you know. So it's like I'm wired to survive. Thank you, ancestors, for evolution. <laughs> so let's get this food while we can. And, you know, what I was saying earlier about how this letter has some themes that felt familiar to me. I think that's probably what it was, is like this chaotic kind of feeling that so much of it is coming from not eating enough and not having permission to eat enough and not having permission to take up space because it sounds like her family thought she should be smaller. And, um, you know, I wish everyone knew what Whitney was describing, you know, how you were describing that pendulum, because it's not that like the there's like a lack of any kind of character or anything or willpower that makes the binge happen. It's like the diet is the way it begins. Like that's mm-hmm. what gets it going. So, um, so yeah, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. I think that's such a helpful kind of metaphor, especially when um, people can kind of identify where they are on it and be able to step mm-hmm. back and be like, oh, that's what's happening right now. I see it. Okay. Yeah. Do you ever have um, people that you talk to who – feel frustrated when it can't just stay in the middle, <laughs> you know, like, and just oh, be still. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, no, so it's always moving. <laughs> one of the things that happens too is like when you, when you want that binge phase that has to happen at the beginning of recovery to go quicker than it is, like it's, you want it to be over and done. You want to just like skip forward to the normal eating part of it. That's like inherently fighting the binge and it's still it's putting that pressure on you to stop mm-hmm. eating. And so that can actually keep the binge going longer. And mm-hmm. so we really, when, when it comes to practicing unconditional permission, it's got to come down to like actually practicing it and actually believing it. Yeah. And yeah. not just like, you know, trying to say that you're doing it, but then still condemning yourself and shaming yourself. Well, and, and when, you know what I think is so sneaky about this is like, I feel like diet culture has co-opted a lot of the language that you and me in our like non-diet type of therapies that we use, they use the same words. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes when people are doing this work, they'll, like you said, they'll maybe are saying that's what they want, but really there's still this condition tied to it. And so when it's all tangled up, it's the, the binge will still happen unless there's permission there to have it. (laughs) Like there really needs to be permission. Mm -hmm. So, um, man, um, well, before we move on to the the next part where I want to hear about some resources that you recommend, any other kind of recommendations um, or thoughts you have about this, um, what this person was writing about? Yeah. So, I mean, the parts with her dad really stand out to me. Um, and it's what I find interesting is that, you know, this memory of her dad saying, 
you know, like you should be careful about what she was about to eat is that that keeps coming up. And so the way that I like to look at this pendulum emotionally too, is that if you, when you suppress emotions and you try to bury them down and maybe you just don't know how to deal with them, you were younger and like this, who would know how to deal with that? And if your dad was sort of this like secret alcoholic, I'm sure there was a lot of shame there as well that you just haven't unpacked. And who knows, maybe you have been in therapy and have been going through this, but chances are you still haven't fully grieved and, and worked through the, the pain here. And so I would really encourage you to like, go back to that. If you've got these emotions coming up about a certain incident, or you've got these memories coming up that keep replaying in your mind, that's your body telling you that it's time to create space for those emotions and give yourself an opportunity to heal. And that pendulum is going to swing the other way. The longer that you suppress your emotions and try to bury them, the more intensely they're going to end up coming out on the other side. And mm. that's when people end up in these situations where they have total breakdowns or, or are totally like um, frozen into inaction or, you know, have end up like having outbursts against friends or things like that. Like it comes out in other ways that you didn't necessarily plan for. Mm, um, yeah. so I would encourage you to, you know, follow that and create space and really give yourself a chance to get some help and, and work with someone maybe who, um, specializes in codependency and being a child of an addict and, um, explore some of that because that, that I think is telling you that you're, it's, it's time. Yeah. Yeah. It's there for a reason. And it's kind of like, um, this, I was picture like something like a finger pointing just or tapping your shoulder, just lightly kind of like, Hey, I'm still here. <laughs> I still need yeah. to be examined. Um, I know still for need attention, I still need attention and it's, it has power. And I know for me and the trauma work I've done, there was some, um, the, the type of therapy that I did for a lot of it would say like there are certain limiting beliefs or some foundations that happened that um, provoked a trauma response and my body was holding on to it. And it sounds mm -hmm. like that's that, you know, if my therapist was working for this person that I have a feeling that's where they'd go with it. And um, it's really cool when we look at different types of therapies, how they can attend to these experiences. So then the body can heal from it, um, which I, I wasn't even thinking about that part until you mentioned it. So thank you for bringing that part up. I think mm -hmm. um yeah, it may be kind of annoying or weird to this letter writer. I don't know if that's the right word, but it seems like she was like, I don't know why this is in my head and has so much power, but it does. And I can't stop thinking about mm. it. And I agree with you. Like, there's a reason. Um, and if you create space for it, like if it feels like the right time to create space for it um, and you sit with someone, a therapist who can gently like help you decide what you want to do with it, gosh, mm. it, it may have some major impact. And outside of even eating, like life right impress like a really impressive kind of uh impact so so thank you for yeah. for that for sure and so um something i want to ask you whitney is we have something on the podcast called the food peace syllabus and if you're new to the love food podcast you may be wondering what that is and it's basically a collection <laughs> of books and videos and other resources anything under the sun that we've collected over the years that help um anybody just to feel more at home in their own skin to help them along their food peace journey. And you can get the most recent copy by going to juliedillonrd.com. And Whitney, do you want to add anything to it? And anything that you think that this letter writer or anyone who can maybe identify with what this person's experiencing? Um, yeah, anything that you'd recommend? Yeah, so I mean, um, there's kind of two routes with this because I recognize the the pain from the 
you know, binge eating and, and the eating disorder and all of that. But I actually, and there's plenty of books and stuff that you can look into about binge eating specifically or about eating disorders. But I would really specifically focus on, there's one workbook that I recommend to people and it's called the body image workbook. I think by the author, Thomas Cash, I, I'm almost certain that's, yep, I think you're correct. And I think you're correct. Yeah. yeah. So one of the reasons why this workbook is so powerful, in my opinion, is that it really dives into one, the, the, how we develop body image. So, um, the different societal messages and internalized messages that contribute to this and why body image issues tend to develop in adolescence. And, you know, as a teenager, like this is, and as you're growing up and comparing yourself to other people. And so it explores that and helps you unpack it. But then it also teaches some really foundational principles of, um, acceptance and commitment therapy that is like very, very, simplified in a way that can give you a lot of power to look at some of the things that might be going on here and to deal with some of the negative thoughts and the shame and the guilt that comes up around eating and around your body um, outside of just body image. Like I, I think that the lessons that you can learn from this workbook are applicable to every aspect of the recovery process. Mm. Yeah, the workbook, the way it's titled, Body Image Workbook, it sounds like very basic, but it sounds like from the mm -hmm. way you're describing it, it goes really deep. Like it goes, it can yeah, get to some really does. important stuff. That's great. Thank you. Um, what mm -hmm. else would you like to add to it? Um, well, I actually have a... A blog post and a couple of videos, I think. I used to be a little more active on YouTube, but then I switched to that long-form podcast lifestyle. <laughs> but um, mm -hmm. I have a couple of videos on the diet binge cycle and explaining this pendulum a little bit further if that is something that you, to the writer or um, whoever is interested in learning more about. Well, I'll put a link to that in the show notes so it'll be really easy for someone to get to it. And I would love to hear about your podcast that you're launching. Yeah. So my podcast is the trust your body project and that's the name of my Instagram as well. Um, and it's basically a part interview style and then part just like me talking and educating all about. So the, my tagline is it's a space for you to heal, eat and create space for the things that truly matter. So it's kind of getting past the, the food stuff and realizing that that's all just the surface level and really diving into what's underneath the food issues and what's underneath the body image issues and, and talking to different people and talking about fat acceptance and, and, um, the political side of the body liberation movement. And also of course, talking to people who specialize in intuitive eating and you're coming on in a couple of weeks. Um, yes, so yeah, I'm excited yeah. to hear it. And, um, I know, you know, when this podcast episode comes out in real time, you'd already have released your interview with Evelyn Triboli, but I have a feeling yes. that's going to be one that's not to miss. And I'm really excited to hear it. And I'm so glad that there's another non-diet, fat-positive podcast that I can recommend to someone without hesitation. Um, we need yes. that because there's so many crappy keto et al. podcasts out there that we need to bump out um, because they are not helping anyone. And so, yeah, thank you so much for helping me to sift through this letter and um, and sharing your expertise and your compassion on this. And um, I really appreciate it. And I hope the rest of the day for you goes well. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. So there you have it. Runaway Train, I hope my conversation with Whitney provided you from maybe some first steps in order to get back a hold of the wheel. Right now, as I say that, I'm picturing you sitting in the passenger seat, but grabbing the wheel 
the steering wheel and kind of moving it in the direction you want to go. And you may have to yank it and you may have to kind of like bump over, you know, just um, with some force in order to get to the spot you need to go. I have a feeling too, it's going to take some time. And I do hope you give yourself the compassion and the space to take the time that you need to heal. You've been through a lot and you also deserve to have that space at the wheel. I see food is written back, but before we get to food letter, this episode of a love food podcast was brought to you by my PCOS and food peace courses. You can get to the information at PCOSandfoodpeace.com. Don't forget that I have a 30% off coupon that goes through February of 2019. All you have to do is put in the coupon code LOVEFOOD, all one word, at checkout. Also be sure to check out the social advocacy platform Third Wheeled at thirdwheeled.com. If you enjoyed this episode of a Love Food podcast, I would appreciate it if you could leave me a rating, a review, share an episode, or subscribe. Doing any of these acts of kindness really helps the show grow and it helps more people have access to food peace. And I feel like everyone deserves to feel at home in their own skin today. So thank you in advance for sharing and um, helping the show grow. All right. I see food has written back. So until next time, take care. Dear Runaway Train, we wish you felt more at home in your own skin and in your own family of origin. We appreciate you've done what you had to do to survive the chaos at home with addiction and with food. We think you have all the answers. You are the expert. The trauma life has handed you is living within your cells of your body. It needs to be cared for, grieved, and processed to allow you space at the wheel. How can you do this? Start with permission to eat, a therapist who gets it, and compassion to take time. Love food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care.